Our gospel reading for today comes to us from the 14th chapter of St. Matthew. So now when Jesus heard this, that, that his cousin John the Baptist had died, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said to them, bring them to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So I want you to think for a second. Within your span of life, have you ever heard a sermon on the feeding of the 5,000 before? I have a feeling that you've probably not just heard a sermon on the feeding of the 5,000. We read this text every single year. That you've probably heard many sermons about this very text, right? So, if you've heard that sermon many times before, I want to ask a question. That why is this very miracle so important? That why does this matter so much? Now, if you've heard the sermon before, you should be able to answer, right? Is it why is this so important? Why does this matter so much that this very miracle is the only one of all of the things that Jesus, of all of the miracles that Jesus performed, that it shows up in all the Gospels? That what makes such a difference on this text? I mean, just look at it for just a moment. From an outsider's perspective, Jesus had to simply be exhausted as he entered into the midst of this. That simply cruising in on fumes, not only did he live that life of busy ministry schedule of crowds day after day after day without a break, but Jesus found himself there having to deal with the wearisome nature of continuing to train and lead those disciples that did, did not continue to get it. Not only was that very schedule that he held just simply grueling and one that just wore him down, but he found himself now in the midst of personal tragedy and trauma. His very own cousin, the forerunner who led his way before him, John the Baptist, had now been beheaded by King Herod. Not only did he now lose this very important person in his life, but now he knows what kind of things happen to those that now stand up and proclaim God's truth. 
that it says that Jesus sought to get away to a desolate place to be alone by himself. Have you ever had those days? Just tired and worn out and weary, just simply done with people, just needing just a few moments all by yourselves away from it all, just you and a close 5,000 plus people, right? It just sounds like a spa-like, relaxing experience. See, as Jesus now seeks to get away and be away, what happens? This crowd that he is relentlessly pouring himself into and pouring himself out for now still come and seek him and search for him. That he steps off the boat to once again found yet another crowd there. So what does it matter? What does it matter that he fed them? I mean, is this just kind of the end of the day magic trick that just drew in more crowds the next day? Was this just kind of maybe that very example of Jesus' kindness, you know, that love your neighbor, share I think that very message has been preached and proclaimed to preschoolers throughout the world from time immemorial. How many of us as adults are still struggling with that message of share? I don't think that Jesus is just showing us how to be kind. That is this just Jesus being polite? I don't want to eat in front of others is that I should probably share with everyone. And what does it matter? See, as I stop and think about this text, I stop and think about something that just struck out to me from many years ago. It was a lesson that I learned from this great Swedish rock group. I know that maybe some of you out there are just like, wow, pastors just like expand. Maybe some of you music files are just like, I, I wouldn't think pastor to be much of an ABBA fan. And you are correct, I am not. <laughs> No, is this from another group, one that you've probably never heard of. But these are the lyrics of the song that just couldn't help but stick out to me as I thought on this text this week. It's called The Story of My Life. The Story of My Life. Well, let's just say that it's a fork and a knife. There's one thing on my mind, one thing all the time, gotta fill my mouth. They got no favorite meal, got no favorite meal. Every meal is clean if it fills me up for real. My belly's big, and that's just the start. My appetite, my heart. This solid bridge leads me on to the nearest bridge. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. What in the world is pastor listening to? That's beside the point. See, this song might sing an awful lot about foods. And I am one who likes an awful lot about foods. You might as well. But this song is not about foods. So what does it say in the midst there? And then there's a whole bunch that I didn't quote, and you definitely don't want me to sing out loud, at least. Is that my appetites, my heart. That how many things do we find ourselves craving, yearning for, searching and seeking, wanting of? 
that it's not just food. Sure enough, some plate of cookies or some donuts can be set out at work or out there on the island at home, and we say for a moment, is that I don't need that. But then the third time that we pass by them is that, well, I'll just have one. Then an hour goes by and we've had five or six, and we see the very problems of appetite. But the fact is, is that this is not just simply a matter of food. That how many things do we crave, do we yearn for, how many appetites are calling out for us to be satisfied? How many things do we look for in the midst of this life? Not only why, what are you seeking, but why are you seeking it? That those who had crowded and gathered around Jesus on that day, were they just looking for a really good sermon? Or were they seeking Jesus for so many other reasons? So many other alternatives were they seeking so much? So Jesus comes into the midst of this, and now the disciples finally begin to show that they had a little bit of Jesus rub off on them. They're finally getting this whole kind of care for others thing. So at the end of the day, what do the disciples want to do? Jesus, it's getting late, and there's no place for them to eat. Send them away to go and get something See, they wanted them to be sent away. Jesus wanted them to be brought near. They wanted them to go and provide for themselves. Jesus said, I will provide what is needed. That the disciples wanted to show a little care and concern, something that would cost them nothing. That Jesus doesn't just show care. He shows compassion. Something that costs him everything. That Jesus in the midst of this is one who says, not go and buy, but come and eat. That what does our Old Testament reading say to us today? Is that come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Now, if they had that sale at the grocery store today, would you go? (laughs) Come and buy with no money. (laughs) Come and take without price. If we would go running after such physical things, then would we come seeking and searching something so much more? But what does Isaiah continue to say? That why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen to me. Eat what is good. Delight yourself in rich foods. I mean, those desires, those appetites in our life, what do they cry out? Cry out for more. I mean, how much is enough? I mean, just think about that. How many zeros has to be at the end of that bank account for you to say, I think I'm good? How many things have to be crammed into that closet or jammed into that garage 
or set up in that lake house or that condo or whatever else for us to say, I think that's enough. I mean, even your average day, is it even a good day? How many things need to go right for you to say, today was a good day? (laughs) I think for many of us, that's a hard one. Our bar is not low. (laughs) It is actually quite high. That we want more. We want things there. But Jesus comes. He comes in the midst of things today to remind us of that fact that not only what does this miracle tell us about Him, that He is powerful enough to provide out of little and give much, but it says something about us. That too often we yearn and crave and desire something bigger, something better, something more. Not just on the bad days, but on the good days. Sure enough, sin and temptation will always lead us down that path that wants more. But the fact is that even on the best days, don't we have a yearning for something greater? God has placed that very yearning for something bigger in this life, for the very fact that He comes to offer us something bigger. That Christ comes and has compassion. Not just that He suffers with, but He suffers for us. The bread of life gives everything that He has and everything that He owns. He gives it all up that we might be is the next time that we find ourselves hungry, desirous, yearning for something and not quite satisfied, that may it remind us of that very fact, that Christ came to do it all for us that we might have what is needful, that that crowd left that very day satisfied and filled as he then sent them away, not just with them being filled, but with even doggy bags, 12 baskets full to go and to take to others. That Jesus has that kind of grace, that kind of forgiveness and compassion and care, that he would literally go to hell and back again for us. That is what he comes to bring. Then what does this deal with this little bag of food and 5,000? That God can do with little, simple, ordinary things, amazing things. That a little splash of water in your baptism, he can forever change your life. Or at that table as he comes and offers to you that very small little gift that you might walk away and say, I get more at Costco. The fact is, what does he offer? A foretaste of the feast to come. He offers a gift that promises to satisfy and nourish, not just in this life, but in the next. That may our God continue to work in your life and create that faith that looks to Him alone. 